The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We welcome our online listeners to this particular podcast message, which is entitled Internal External. For those of you who are joining us in the delayed podcast, go to www.iomamerica.org, scroll over or mouse over to the online school. You see a drop-down menu there of Quick Course Finder. Click on that, scroll down to the bottom of the identity list, and you'll see a special series called Identity Matters Conference. And this is Internal External. Those of you who are joining us more or close to a live uh, podcast, uh, just remember to download the materials that came with that because it's very important you see the visual diagrams that come with, with these audio messages. This message, internal, external, is basically another cute way, maybe not so cute, of saying idolatry. Okay? So when I want to teach someone or show something about idolatry, for example, this morning I was really, really close to riding my Harley in here and parking it in front. It's the most beautiful thing you'll ever see outside of my wife and my daughters. No, this thing has been an idol in my life and God has brought me to the point of being willing to let go of this thing and sell it if I have to or not sell it or whatever. And uh, But that's what I, you'll just have to imagine that that spotless Harley, it's my bike, happens to be one of the bikes that the Davidson family wants. It's got a special story connected to it and whatever. Will that even increase my temptation of idolatry? So imagine that beautiful thing, piece of metal as it is, is sitting here in front of us and I'm having to deal with my idol. Okay, everyone's got them. Some have got a very long list. Some have got a short list. One or a hundred makes no difference. Let's take a look at our purpose statement for this message into all Christians. By the way, has anyone noticed something unique about when I say Christians? I don't normally just stop at that. What are you seeing? It'll be in all the materials, everywhere. That's why I'm rewriting everything. Indwelt. What's the difference between Christianity or Christian and an indwelt Christian? Someone who's got a little bit of understanding of that, please tell us. Your comments will, sorry to say, will be heard by others, so you have to be okay with that. Huh? What is the difference between indwell Christian and Christian? Very good. The original label that was given to Christians back in the Paulatic days was an insult. Oh, so you're with this Christ follower. It was an insult. 
It was a nasty word. That is not the case today. Actually, from the Greek, Christian means Christ follower. It does not say Jesus Christ follower. It says Christ follower. Very appropriate, I might add. Christianity has become a system, a machine to develop Christ followers. Well, I had to deal with people dealing with this disrobing of the emergent world, which is a huge mission of mine. And I have a ghostwriter for Newsweek. I have a ghostwriter for Washington Post. And he takes articles, rewrites them as a ghostwriter for me, but under his name, and they get submitted in these publications. Because I am after the liars who are pumping lies into the church saying that it's okay to be a universalist. They're dropping like flies. They're liars. These demonic teams that surround these churches and their systems to try to adopt such ridiculous lies. I don't serve an emergent universalist. I serve a God who's in charge of the universe. And he's single. He's one God. And Jesus said, no one's going to come to him except by me. No getting around this. He's the gate. So I would think that one of the biggest form of deceptions that Satan could use in our lives is idolatry. Doctrines have become idols to these Christians. An indwelt Christian is someone who has the indwelling life of Christ. They're not Christ's followers. They have Christ in them, doing the following through them. Do you realize that the, the foot pattern of me first learning how to walk as a Christian is Christ in me, moving me to walk after the Spirit? Until it's just very free. Just normal, natural, neutral. Oh, his voice. Okay. Oh, he wants me over here now. That's, you want me to go where you want me to go? I'm not going in there and teaching. No, I am. Oh, okay. And he removes that hesitation. So our lives breathe and move like the Holy Spirit does. Guys, can you imagine this happening? Lord, you know I'm only using this as an example. But the Holy Spirit is inside a particular believer. And Jesus communicates to the Holy Spirit, so I need to have you take Steve into a Kampala prison and here's what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. The Holy Spirit goes... He's not going to go for that. You know that. I can't do that. I just, I just can't do. I can't do that, Steve. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get persecuted, distress, and difficulties, and whatever else we want to add to that poor guy's life. I mean, hasn't he been through enough? Do we? No, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that to him. Do you know how much time is consumed by the Holy Spirit praying about if he should listen to Jesus? 
I need to pray about that. Why, why do you need to pray about it? You are my oneness. You breathe with me. Now, should I take that breath or not? That's ridiculous, isn't it? To have the Holy Spirit debate over our personal harm? No, it's going to be, I warned him about that. It's a part of the job. Let's do this. Let's not debate it. Let's not write books about it. Let's just go in there and get the job done. But there's idols in his life. You know that. We're not, we're just not to that point. I think we can get rid of a few idols on this one. See, in the midst of the rejection, the persecution, the distress, the difficulty, for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Let's put him in the show. Get him in there. Well, that particular story ended in disaster. To the point it got attention of the president of Uganda. International charges of crime were put on me for starting a riot between Christians and Muslims. It's an unbelievable story, literally. There were some idols dealt with that day. Because I said no to Christ in the middle of that prison. We had two, three hundred Muslims on one end of the square and the imam was doing his deal with them. I was at the other square. I happened to have the microphone. And this was the hour of power. And the Lord told me to put my notes away. Is that a nice, neat little sermon all planned down in my Bible? What I was going to say. And God says, put them away. I'm wrestling with God, you know, and they're worshiping with tin cans, you know, rocks in them, and I'm trying to get into it, and I'm having this war with God. I was doing what I just demonstrated the Holy Spirit would not do. Finally, I put my Bible under the chair they had for me, and God said to get rid of the notes. Well, he knows my temptation. All else fails, go to your bullet points. That's why I use PowerPoint. Well, I took it out of my Bible and stuck my Bible under my chair and I just stuck the little piece of paper down there. And the interpreter says, they're ready for you. There's only 15 guys. I'm like, wow, two or more gathered my name. Well, I guess I'm going to see this one today. I start preaching. I don't know what I was saying. All of a sudden, everything lined up. And I looked out at those 15, 20 guys and I said, you are here. I got a microphone. This is going out to the whole prison. And I said, you are here because of your rebellion against your president. Well, I was there on a political mission. I was there invited by the president of Uganda. And boy, you talk about get the attention. Because the president of Uganda is a proclaimed Christian. Janet, the first lady, is definitely an Indiwalt Christian. And I just went to town on respecting earthly authority, what it does before God and whatever, and it just unfolded. Well, I noticed that all these guys, you know, a few were coming and whatever, but 
all of a sudden, at a certain point in my message, the imam was walking back all by himself. There wasn't a single Muslim leader that stayed there with him, or prisoner that stayed there with him. And he's, you know, in his garb, and he's walking back slowly, and I'm there teaching on this little cement platform thing, and I'm just doing what the Lord told me to do. And he's just taking his sweet time. I had no clue what he was saying. And he gets up on a chunk of cement. Guys were in between us. And he just kept going, chanting, doing his little thing with whatever it was he was doing. And all of a sudden, the Lord told me, as clear as if he spoke it inside my mind in human words. Didn't audibly hear him. But it was clearly God. Tell them there's an Antichrist in their midst. And I wrestled for a while, and the interpreter is nudging me. Come up, well, you're not done, are you? And my whole life passed in front of me. My wife, my kids, I mean, it's just everything just passed in front of me. And I realized I'm being asked to give up my life for Christ today. Always talked about, just ask my family, always talked about dying for Jesus in the jungles or in the, you know, persecution or having a gun to my head. And here it is. And so I said it. And I said, there is an antichrist in our midst today. And I went into a 10 minute preach I have no recall of to this hour. My interpreter told me he could barely keep up with me. And the interesting thing is, is that interpreter is one of my regional directors today. But he said he couldn't keep up with me. And he knew it was the spirit of the living God and that he pushed you out of the way. I said, well, what did I say? He tried to remember these old details. He says, I was having to rattle off translation so quick that I could not remember. After 10 minutes, I came out of this zone. I don't know what else to call it. I came out of this zone and there was dust everywhere. There was crying. There was weird groanings, like people being possessed. And there was just all this activity. And I, and I looked over at the interpreter. I said, what is going on here? You know, like I stepped out for a 15-minute break. And, and he says, they're begging for your God. And I'm telling you the truth. I looked at my interpreter and I says, well, what do I do? <laughs> I've never done a mass uh, invite in salvation. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I just make people feel guilty and go home. <laughs> and he said, lead him to God. I think he said, lead him to your God. And I'm like, okay. What, what do I do? I just like lost for a moment and all of a sudden it just happened went out there started laying hands on guys and they were asking for pages ripped out of my Bible and I was ripping pages out of my Bible giving them to guys I was leading guys to Christ guards it was an unbelievable story an impact on my life that he would not let me speak of publicly for several years and I gave up a lot that day. 
of idolatry and came back to America and the secretary to the president's husband came over to go through some training with us and uh, he said, did you hear what happened at the prison that day? I said, I haven't heard anything. Like they put it on CNN. (laughs) That's a joke. No, it's not. (laughs) And uh, I said, no, I didn't hear anything. And so he said, a riot broke out. Well, I remember about 15, 20 guys surrounding me, and they walked me all the way across the square to get me to the gate so no one could get in at me. I just honestly thought that they were just like getting all excited over their salvations. So they peel open, I go out through the gate, and my buddy who was preaching in the condemned prisoners, you know, and so he joined me, and we leave. So now the three of us are having lunch together in Arizona. Me, the guy that was in there preaching to the condemned prisoners, and I, the general public of the prison. And he, Moses says to me, a riot broke out, and there was this horrific war within the square of the prison. And he asked to have the 21 Christians that Jack preached to brought to the square who were on death row. And those 21 men were assassinated, murdered, killed by this warden as a penalty, as a consequence, put on me for what I did in that prison that day. And it went to the level of the president, where the president himself came over to deal with the warden face to face. And God, through this president, said, we will not press international crimes on this man, for it was an act of God. Well, the Colson listeners already know this part of the story. But Charles Colson went in there and took those guys that got saved on that day and formed a prison ministry. And the guy that headed that prison inside the ministry is outside the ministry now, and we're working with him. They wanted to do a documentary film on it because of what happened. And you could see God in the beginning, in the middle, and even on the end. Idolatry is very, very serious to God, obviously, because it's saying there's something else more powerful and beneficial than me. So when marriages become an idol to us, our job, our health, our location, money, children, church, it doesn't matter. God is after not the idol, but he's after the self-rule problem that comes with this. Trying to turn these negative things that he turned negative, trying to turn them into a positive, is going to require a lot of self-rule and self-effort. Idolatry. Those who are caught up in the churchy-churchy movement, they just go and do more things. They start a Bible study. They get involved in a Bible study. They do Christian services. They invite someone over to lunch. They do something to get rid of the feeling of worthlessness. They do to get. They don't do because of who they are. They do to get. 
So as the Holy Spirit is 100% obedient in me and he moves me into a prison thing that I would normally go, there is no way I am preaching here. That all involved are a part of this cooperation. So the Spirit can blow and move and breathe and you'll talk to employees, non-employees, friends, church leaders, whatever, and the Spirit of the living God is being released in a community. No. We decide what Jesus is going to say. We decide when he's going to open our mouths. Because we're working on some other things. Meanwhile, Christ is after something completely different. So when things do start going bad, we, we try everything and anything we possibly can to basically fix the fix ourselves. Instead of allowing God to do the fixing through us, we end up becoming control freaks. This is what he's after. Christ in us, being who he is in us, and he is sharing the fruit of the Spirit from the inside out. He's not focusing on changing the externals. His life is simply changing us because the faucet is open. The flow is going. There is healing, redemption, and cleansing and being obedient to do the work. Please don't forget that. There's healing, cleansing, and redemption and just opening the vows and letting the Spirit of the living God do the work through you, whether you have issues going on or not. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.